Thank you, and once again, good day to students and teachers of the Word of God. For the last few weeks, we've been studying the uh, subject to deal with anthropology, the study of man in systematic theology, and in particular, the doctrine of homotheology, the matter of sin as it affects man. On our last broadcast, we discussed at length the matter of man being a tripartite being or a trichotomy, a person composed of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. On that broadcast, I brought to your attention that the entire basic structure of the universe, including the time-space continuum, is a three-part setup. We pointed out that space itself was width, breadth, and length, that time was past, present, and future, and what the scientists naively call a third dimension, or a fourth dimension, rather, is nothing but the reality in which you appear. The fourth dimension is the result of the combining of three dimensions. The nonsensical teaching that time is the fourth dimension is nonsense. Time is part of a space-time uh, continuum, which, of course, has three parts to it. And when studying the matter, such matters as motion, energy, space, matter, phenomena, time, we find every one of them has a, a trichotomic uh, composition. It's broken down into three. I pointed out the fact that although the Trinity is not mentioned as such Trinity in the Bible, a man who denies the Trinity is denied the basic substance of reality that has to do with the composition of the universe and the solar system and this planet. This earth has on it, it has the earth, it has below the earth, it has above the earth. It has the ionosphere, the exosphere, the stratosphere. This earth is part of a section of the Bible which is pictured as being classified with earth, heaven, and hell, where you have the saved, the lost, and the Savior, with three heavens mentioned in Second Corinthians chapter 12, and I might add three hells. We read about hell as hell per se. We read about hell as the lake of fire. We also read about it as the bottomless pit. Everything that you can find this earth or out of this earth that is real has three parts to it. In the Western Hemisphere, you have North America, Central America, and South America. In the Eastern Hemisphere, Asia, Africa, Europe. The rest of them, of course, are classified as islands. Whether they classified as continents or not, you cannot avoid the obvious breakdown for the inhabitants of Australia had to come from Asia, Africa, or Europe, and so did the inhabitants of England. There's no way through it. You can't get around it. You take England up, you'll divide it up in Ireland and Scotland and England. It'll come out free. I don't care what you do with it. It's like a rotten egg, brother. You can't. You can beat it, but it sure smells. Now, this three-part breakdown, of course, is a manifestation of the attributes of God, who has a body, the Lord Jesus Christ, a soul, God the Father, and a spirit, the Holy Spirit. And therefore, this trichotomy is manifest in everything that God anything to do with that's real. If it is reality, it is a three-part breakdown. And if you're missing the third part, you don't have the thing located yet. Whether dealing with electrons, atoms, protons, neutrons, plus and minus charges, amino acids, protein-building material, enzyme acids, molecules, or any other combination of anything ever discovered by anybody living or dead in any branch of medicine, astronomy, physics, psychiatry, biology, uh, theology, uh, ethnology, etymology, or any other thing that you pay money to learn when you learn nothing, it breaks into three. The Bible is written in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. 
Here lies with Old Testament 1 and New Testament 2 and the incarnate Word that wrote the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ 3. You can't beat the thing with an egg beater, friend. You have the apostles, you have the elders, you have the fathers. In the Old Testament, you have the law, the prophets, and the writings. In the New Testament, you have the gospels, the acts, and the epistles. You're not going to beat your way around it. The three that are connected with the second advent are Jesus Christ, Moses, and Elijah. There's no way out. Everything busts into three. Now, we've been talking about the three-part composition of man, which, of course, is not recognized by UNESCO, the Health, Education, Welfare Department, and any other naive socialistic communist group who's trying to figure out uh, man's problems when they don't even know what a man is. Nothing can be funnier than an international socialist who believes in the puddle to paradise theory of Darwin trying to solve man's problems when he wouldn't know a man if he'd met one. Nothing could be more ludicrous, believe me. Here's a bunch of people sitting around the United Nations, the U.N., the ungodly nuts of the usual nonsense, or united nonsense, I've never got to figure out exactly which, who have uh, been responsible or connected with or have promoted or tolerated 37 wars in 30 years. 37 wars in 30 years. And here, I be, here they are discussing man's problems, or they can solve man's problems, and there are 35 men in the United Nations who know what a man is. A man has a body and a soul and a spirit. We come now to the discussion of the spirit of man, having spoken at length about the body of man in our previous broadcast. Now, the spirit of man is like air. This is perfectly apparent by the Scripture definitions. We never have to consult medicine or psychiatry or chemistry or biology for any of their superstitious nonsense when the terms are scientifically declared in the infallible book that is the only infallible textbook in science ever printed. One must remember there is only one infallible scientific textbook in print, and that's the Holy Bible. There are five and a half miles of books at the Louvre in Paris, the library, five and a half miles if you stretched out the shelves foot upon foot, containing books that are now have obsolete facts in them that were considered to be facts anywhere from 10 to 300 years ago. Five and a half miles, brother. The Bible is not among the books. For the Bible gives a scientific fact. It is an infallible scientific fact that can never be disproved by anybody in any amount of time. For example... The Bible says the spirit like wind, John chapter 3. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell from whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. For example, Ezekiel chapter 37. The Lord told Ezekiel, come and prophesy to these dead, these dry bones, and they live. And they stood upon their feet, but there was no breath in them. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, prophesy again to the four winds, and say, come, O breath and breathe upon these slain, and the Spirit of the Lord entered into them. There you go. So the Spirit is wind. Now, if you didn't know that, you'd know it if you ever handled a pneumatic jack or a pneumatic drill. After all, pneumonia and pneumatic drills and pneumatic hammers, jackhammers, are driven by compressed air. This is the word for spirit in the New Testament, pneuma. Pneumatos. If you have pneumonia, you obviously have trouble with your air, with your breathing. 
So the spirit of man is the air in man that gives a man God consciousness or the ability to communicate with God. But this spirit from the time of Adam's fall is dead. Somebody says you believe in Adam. Why, of course, don't you? You mean to tell me that God make a man and not give him a name? You say, don't believe God made man. Well, where did you get your brains at? The dime store? Are you trying to tell me that a Swiss Elgin watch just fell together automatically and nobody made it? Are you trying to tell me the painting is hanging up in uh, Florence and the Vatican just kind of came together and jumped up on the wall? I mean, were you born stupid or did somebody help you along the way? God breathed in the nostrils of Adam, giving him the spirit or wind, the breath of life. Someone has said that man is dust inbreathed by deity. A.T. Pearson said the spirit receives impressions of outward material things through the soul and the body, but it belongs to a higher level and is capable of direct knowledge of God by relation to its own higher sense and faculties, the spirit of the capital city of the human personality. Unfortunately, the spirit in man is dead. And so although it can be God-conscious, one must remember that the devils believe in God and tremble. Therefore, man has in him the capacity to believe in God, and so does the devil. Why? Because devils are spirits too. God is a spirit, not spirit, as the corrupt Bible say. After all, the devil's spirit too. Who are you trying to fool? The Lockman Foundation? God is a spirit. God is a spirit. May the worshiper must worship him in spirit and in truth. The spirit of man cannot worship God in spirit and truth until it has been regenerated. And that's why the Bible says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. So at Adam's sin, his spirit died. Now we realize that the unsaved Russellites and no-hellers and the unsaved British Israelites are passing out this cock and bull story from Los Angeles to New York about man dying physically when he ate of the tree. But, of course, this is the truth of all, because in the day that he ate of it, he died. The proof that man is dead spiritually is the simple fact that he must be born again. And he can't be born again by water. And he certainly can't be born again by flesh. And this is why the word baptism occurs nowhere in John chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 20. There is no reference to water baptism within 20 verses of the new birth in either direction. And strangely enough, there are at least 10 major religious groups that think the water of John 3, 5 is water baptism. What could be more pitiful and more tragic for an unsaved man to go to hell thinking that the baptism of Romans 6 was water and the water of John 3 was baptism? What could be more pitiful and more tragic than that? The term baptism occurs nowhere within 20 verses of John chapter 3, verse 5, in either direction, forwards or backwards. And this goes to show the great length that unsaved people will go to in mangling the Word of God in order to damn their own souls and their souls their religious constituents. A text without a context is a pretext. And here are these poor godless, depraved, unsaved elders sitting around shooting their mouth off about John chapter 3, 5, as though it had something to do with baptism, when the word baptism doesn't occur before the verse or after the verse, in the first verse or the second verse or the third verse or the fourth verse, or the fifth verse or the sixth or the seventh or the eighth or the ninth, the tenth, in either direction. There is no mention of baptism connected with the new birth in John 3, within 20 verses of the context, forwards or backwards. 
and yet there are eight million people in America going to hell trusting that their water baptism gave them the new birth. Now, isn't that pitiful? Isn't that the most pitiful thing you ever heard of in all your life? Here are people who are dead in trespass and sin, with a dead spirit, trying to worship God. Nothing is deader than their services, their gospel meetings. It's like going to a funeral. And the reason why is all the dead men sitting there with their dead gospel and their dead theology are killing the people in the congregation who are already dead spiritually. You must be born again, and the new birth is not connected with water baptism within 20 verses of either direction of where it's mentioned. God is a spirit. The spirit of man is the part that resembles God the most, but since Adam fell, the spirit is dead and can only comprehend God or recognize God, but cannot serve God acceptably. When a man is born again, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So Paul says in Romans 8:16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The phony correction of itself to himself in the new Bible is not to be emulated. The word is neutered in all the Greek texts, including the Receptus and the Alexandrian, and the spirit can be referred to properly as it when referring to his work instead of to his person. Stick by the King James, which is always the best commentary to correct the Greek and Hebrew lexicons. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, teaches that at death the body goes to the dust and the spirit back to God. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. Showing that the spirit is not the individual man. Even the spirit of an unsaved man goes back to God, but of course the spirit of man is not the individual. This is the general spirit. Notice how scientifically the Holy Spirit defined these terms without consulting any psychiatrist or psychologist or socialist or humanist in this century or the 19th century. Notice how in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Holy Spirit is written, What man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man that is in him? Even so knoweth no man the things of God, save the spirit of God. The spirit of man, then, is a group classification. It's a category, and does not delineate the individual ego, the individual man. Many people who were, uh, died went to hell, followed the teaching of Rutherford and Russell, and thought that if the spirit went back to God who gave it, that meant that everybody, when they died, went back to God spiritually. And, of course, they don't. The part of you that's you is your soul. So Russell and Rutherford put your soul in the grave, which is a rather stupid thing. Then they called the grave hell, which is even more stupid. It means that if they were true that Paul and Dwight L. Moody and uh, Bob Jones Sr. and Dr. DeHaan went to hell when they died. We call this watchtower nonsense uh, Disneyland theology. And it's the teaching that everybody goes to hell when they die because hell is the grave. After all, if they all do go to the grave, they all go to hell, right? Now, this Mickey Mouse type of exegesis is not to be followed by the serious student of Scripture and the dedicated Bible teacher who is interested in the truth and not a lot of, uh, not a lot of theological nonsense. The dust returns to the earth, the Spirit returns to God who gave it. But the soul goes straight up or straight down, and the soul is you. In Ecclesiastes 3.21, we read, Who knoweth the spirit of the man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Thus we learn that the spirit of the beast is a category. All animals have the same spirit. All men have the same spirit. All men on the face of this earth have the dead, fallen, depraved, degenerate spirit of the rebellious grandfather of theirs, Adam. Until they're born again, they're dead in trespass and sin, by nature children of wrath, Christ called them children of hell in Luke chapter 
or Matthew chapter 23, and those who take the positive view of the goodness of man and want votes and income by bragging about man take the positive view that Christ was a liar and that man is all right, man is fine, and man is wonderful, and man is good. So they preach only positively. They preach peace and love. This guarantees no persecution and a high income. And this means that modern Christianity is satanic. Christ said to Simon Peter, Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The modern Christianity as a group, that is a whole, as taking the group as a whole, is satanic. The first word Satan ever said was yes. That was the first word he said. And the first temptation had three good parts to it, if you remember our lesson from about eight broadcasts back. Eve saw the tree was good for food, positive, pleasant to the eyes, positive, desired to make one wise, positive, and the devil said yes. Modern Christianity is satanic. It deals with two subjects, peace and love. And it does to this to avoid the scriptural truth, the doctrinal truth, for which the scriptures were inspired, all scriptures give inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, to avoid the doctrinal truth that scientifically, from the absolute infallible standpoint of fact, every man listening to my voice that has never been born again by the Holy Spirit of God is dead in trespasses and sins, a child of disobedience, a child of wrath, negative, without righteousness, without goodness, and covered with filthy rags. Isaiah 64, verse 8. Now, you're not going to make any friends telling people that. So if you want to get by without persecution, have a high income, and build some pretty buildings, I would suggest you keep on talking about peace and love. And then when you get the judgment seat of Christ, lose your entire ministry for being a coward. All right, then the spirit of beasts is one spirit. All animals have the same spirit. The spirit of man is another spirit. All men have the same spirit. The spirit of God is another spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have the same spirit. Then you have unclean spirits that come from Satan. And thus we learn there are four spirits active in the world. The naive Satanist or the naive occultist or the naive white witch or coven or warlock, these naive superstitious people who believe anything they read except the Bible. In dealing with these naive superstitious people, they have come to the conclusion there is only one spirit or two spirits. The scientific textbook on the spirit world was never written by a Satanist or an occultist or a Brahma or a Buddhist or a Hindu. It was written by God. And it says that beasts have one spirit, men have another spirit, God has another spirit, and Satan has another spirit. The spirit of Satan is called the unclean spirit, or unclean spirits, or devil, or devils. The spirit of man is called the spirit of man, or the human spirit, or man spirit. The spirit of the beast, or the spirit of animals. And the spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. Now in regard to the soul of man. The soul of a beggar went to Abraham's bosom in Luke 16.22. The soul of a rich man was taken to hell, Luke 16.23. So at death, man goes to three different places, proving that man has tripartited. 
Nothing could prove the man was a trichotomy more than the fact that when the unsaved man died in the Old Testament, his body went to the grave, his soul went to hell, and his spirit went back to God's. Now, we're dealing here with scientific fact that is so far above scientific fact as you know it, they're not able to discuss the same matters. Science is a baby. Revelation is a man. Many times a little kid asks questions he can't understand. Sometimes he gets answers he can't understand. Sometimes science waits at the foot of Revelation for a long time for an answer, and sometimes Revelation graciously grants the answer, and sometimes uh, it doesn't. Here we are dealing with Revelation. The soul of man is self-consciousness, the ego. It stands for the individual, personal life. Therefore, it has been barred by unregenerate psychologists for such word as psychology, from psyche, psyche in modern Greek, or psyche, putting the ypsilon into an e, and modern psychiatry has used the word for psychiatry, psychosomatics, and God knows what. It's a Bible word. The Bible speaks of a hungry soul and a weary soul. Jeremiah 31:25, a thirsty soul. Psalm 42:2, a grieved soul. Job 30:25, and a loving soul. The Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 7. Now, there's no theological work or commentary on the market today that will tell you what a soul is, because no modern commentator could resist the temptation to correct the King James Bible. When he corrected the Bible, of course, he came out with the teaching that the soul seems to be a part of a man midway between the body and the spirit, yet it is not a mixture of the two, although at times it seems to take on characteristics of one or the other, <laughs> and so on with this nonsense. Now, in the Bible, the soul has a bodily shape. The rich man in hell, Luke 16, said, Send Lazarus, I may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. In Revelation chapter 6, we read about the souls under the altar, and they cried with a loud voice, and white robes were given them. And when Saul, Paul, Saul called Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was caught up to the third heaven, he said, Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows. For he could see and hear, and he was standing, but he couldn't touch his physical body. Therefore, the advanced revelation of the King James Bible is to be preferred above the teaching of every faculty member of every fundamental school in the country. And when we deal with the hypercritical, egotistical fanatics and the faculties of Christian schools, one must remember these blinded people, only repeating material given to them by King James Bible believers from 1901 and 1910 and 1929. They have no new revelation from the Word of God because they have collected the Word of God. So the serious student of the Word of God may take for granted the King James Bible is right in these matters and the faculty members are wrong, and he may approach the Bible with the utmost confidence that the soul has a bodily shape inside the body. And photographers recently are beginning to photograph the electronic aura of this body around the outside of the body and shooting off their mouth about finding something new and the great advancements of science and the vast strides, when all they're doing is catching up with a book written 300 years ago, a 1611 authorized version, which says the soul has a bodily shape. The soul has arms, it has eyes, it has a nose, mouth, lips, teeth, tongue, and jaw. It has a bodily shape. If you were to get a hand cut off, your fingers might itch or hurt on you a few months later, and the doctor would tell you it was the nerve endings. Don't you believe it for a minute. Doctors, they need the Bible too. The soul is a bodily shape between the spirit and the body. 
The soul is to keep the body as the lowest in subjection to the spirit. God designed the human spirit indwelt and ruled by the Holy Spirit, should keep man in constant touch with himself, and maintain at everything its proper preeminence, ruling soul and body. It was the soul of the man Jesus Christ that died on the cross. For the Bible says in Isaiah 53, he will offer his soul as an offering for sin. We read in Hebrews chapter 10:39, we believe to the saving of the soul. So it is the soul that is saved and the spirit that is reborn. One must never confound these. James 1.21 says, Receive the, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. The soul, then, is a bodily shape which can be lost. And lest we get into so deep now, we lose all the PhDs in the muck. Let's just abandon the subject right here now, because one of us remember that the modern apostate fundamentalists, having replaced the King James Bible with the New American Standard Version, cannot find any truth beyond the Schofield Notes of 1909. The truth is a man can lose his bodily shape at the white throne judgment, and he will. You say, what bodily shape will he assume? Read Isaiah 66, Isaiah 34, Psalm 22, Mark 8 and 9, and John 3. And you'll have a revelation that the correctors, the authorized version, couldn't find because of their infidelity to the Word of God while professing to be contenders for the faith. Luke 16:23 tells us the soul can be lost in a place of everlasting punishment, everlasting torment. Men gamble their souls for a moment of pleasure, and if they lose their soul, they've lost it all. We may summarize our teaching for this week by saying, Man, God created man a tripartite being to love God and to enjoy life and nature. Man was created with the ability to think, love, and make decisions. Man was made for God, and the spirit of man was made to commune with God. When man sinned, he broke off communion with God, broke off fellowship with God, hid, and then lied about his condition, and then covered himself with his own self-righteousness. Man in his present state, then, is born dead in trespass and sin, alone in the world, Paul says, Without hope and without God, Paul says, a child of hell, Jesus Christ said. Uh, and Christ speaks about them as being generation of vipers. They're said to be murderers and liars by Jesus Christ in John chapter 8. Every negative, divisive, godless thing you could say about man, the Bible says, and no other book dare say it. The book says in your present state, you are without righteousness, without goodness, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Every man in his best state is altogether vanity. There is none that seeketh God. There is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why the modern Christians cut the Bible up and take out only the parts that are positive to preach and pretend the negative parts aren't there. Jesus Christ died on the cross to save your souls from the punishment, shame, and torment of a literal burning hell that will not burn out till God gives out and... Marvel not that I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Don't deceive yourself, even if you can deceive others. If you've never been born again, you're lost, dead, alone in the world without hope, without God. And if you believe in God, your companions are devils. James says, Thou believest in God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Deism will not keep you out of the lake of fire.
you must be born again. And water baptism is never mentioned in connection with the new birth within 20 verses in either direction. Our next broadcast will talk about the results of the fall of man. Until then, may the Lord bless you and good day.